Most store owners think of returns, refunds, and exchanges as a necessary evil, but it doesn't have to be that way. If done well, they could be a huge conversion trigger for your customers. Did you know that 91% of shoppers say they consider a store's return policy before placing an order? That's kind of crazy. So why do you hate it? Because it's a time-consuming pain, right? Plus they're a potential customer service nightmare. Well, not anymore. Bold makes a great app for managing the entire returns process. It's called the Bold Returns Manager, and it gives your customers a portal where they can submit returns, track them through the process, and it gives you a portal where you can review, approve, decline, and manage everything about them. You create all your policies that you want to allow, whether it's returns or exchanges, credits, whatever, and then apply it to what product should have that policy, and you're set. It's got a great backend for managing all the returns, making notes in them, and statuses that automatically keep your customers updated along the way. So stores are always trying to find better ways to compete, more than just on price. And a solid return policy and a smooth way to implement it is a great alternative to competing on price. Especially if you're in fashion and apparel, you know returns are such a big factor. So the Bold Returns Manager app has thought of everything. And if you're ready to take your returns to the next level, you need to try it. You can try it out for free for two months by heading to ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines. And it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability. And it's no wonder. SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, and I'm excited, and you should be terrified. The I was just talking to today's guest, Steve, Steve from Smile.io, Steve Deckert, wonderful man who does have a nice smile, but I think that's unrelated to his business. And Smile.io is this rewards program, right? And there's, there's other rewards programs. I sort of get them, I sort of don't. I don't know, I run, I've got points on my credit card and I'm really obsessed with my local gas stations rewards program because I think it's funny but beyond that like I don't get rewards programs in e-commerce stores and Steve slapped me around he said oh my gosh he's like there is this isn't just me plugging smile.io and this isn't even necessarily about rewards programs it's about the problem we're seeing with e-commerce right now and it's that people are not building durable and sustainable businesses I said holy shit Steve are you saying that a lot of our audience's listeners, their business may actively be on fire right now and they have no idea. And Steve's point was, yes, because we're all relying, so many of us are competing on 
a or existing in a transactional relationship in which we just compete on price and you're not you can't sustain that when you're up against something like Amazon or even just your competitors who may be your manufacturer who's about to go direct to consumer you need to start building emotional relationships so all right before you hear oh no another rewards program talk all right so we've only done one before but don't tune out Steve has important things to say to us and he scared me Steve What's going on? Why am I so afraid? Well, I'm just out here fear mongering everyone. <laughs> no, no, we, uh, you know, we, we're seeing this. We've been around since about 2010, and uh, you know, we've seen some changes in the market. And and one thing that we're starting to see happen is that businesses are so focused on building these transactional relationships with their customers. And and when I say a transactional relationship, you know, think of think of uh, you know a vending machine. Right, where it's a product, it's a price, and it's convenience. Right, and if if you are focused only on those transactional relationships, the summary is that your business is probably going to be out of business in the next five years or so. Uh, if your if your value prop, you know, really is is focused on price, a uh, low price specifically, or selection, or you know, convenience, um, you really can't compete with Amazon in in any way on any of those kind of transactional factors. Uh, Amazon is the world's best vending machine in the world, right? And you, you simply cannot compete with them on those transactional basis, uh, those transactional factors. So, you know, that if, knowing this, knowing that you can't possibly compete with them or even your competitors who may be more willing to discount than you are, knowing this, what game do you play? Do you play that game and do you play the losing game or do you, do you change the game or do you change your business uh, and, and focus on things that are a little bit outside of, of transactional and, and uh, more towards building relationships and, and emotional connections with customers. Okay, so you have, it sounds like you have a wildly different perspective on that customer experience. Um, and it's a, it's a bit of a mindset shift. It's changing that lens to we have a, it's a transactional thing. They show up, we're relative, really we're, we're very much strangers. They then hand me their most intimate 16 digits their credit card, which is an insane thing to do if you think about it. You don't know someone. Here's a stranger. Take my credit card. And then, ideally, they send me a thing. And that's that. That is the typical way of looking at it. It is transactional, like you said. And you're saying, all right, we need to shift toward um, viewing this as relationship building, which I love that concept. I have long compared um, acquiring customers and keeping customers to to dating, to building a relationship. So they're... Um, did I get that right? Is there more to it, or is that it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot more. We we can go really <laughs> far down this rabbit hole. You know, you look at some some other things that merchants. We see a lot of merchants right now doing this, where most of their traffic, maybe not all of it, but most of it, comes from paid ads. Um, and uh -oh. in the coming years, you will not be able to survive on paid ads being a significant, uh, because well, if you look at in between the years of 2014 and 2016, uh, CPC and CPM uh, increased by about 10 percent. Well, inflation was only about you know one point something percent during during those years. Um, even at, at, like total spending on ads um, is that increased by forty two percent, even though search engine volume only increased by about eleven percent in that time as well. So we know that there are there we have increased costs for paid ads. We have. Uh, a disproportionate amount of competition there, where we have more people competing for this for virtually the same uh, sets of eyes out there. Um, we know that that costs are on average going up for any sort of paid channels. And so, if that's if that's your source of of traffic, if that's your source of sales, 
over the next five years, you're not going to be able to survive on that alone because there's probably someone who's always more willing to lose money on, on that first sale than you are. So you need to really think about how you can you can build a business that doesn't rely so heavily on paid ads that it will put you out of business. Well, and here's the worst part. There's not only that, there, well, two points. Uh, Facebook costs have gone up substantially just since last year. CPM yep. have increased on average about 35% since last quarter. Oh, my God. If that continues, you're right. Unless you are uh, equivalently reducing your cost of goods sold, so have you reduced your cost of goods sold 35% in the last quarter? Probably not. Then you're right. It isn't sustainable, and you'll get into a situation where a one-off transaction just is not going to work. And you have to realize your competition, there are a disturbing number of e-commerce merchants, possibly because the uh, the barrier to entry is so low on these things now um, that you know it, it's very easy to spin up a, a Shopify store. There are people making sales, losing money hand over fist, and they haven't even realized it yet. And that's your competition. A guy with a credit card who has no idea he's losing money and who is outspending you on ads. Oh my gosh. And all the while, Facebook ad costs keep going up. All right. Now I'm sufficiently frightened. What do I do instead? Well, actually, I want to frighten you a little bit more. No, it gets um, worse. <laughs> you know, and I think, um, you know, like going back to paid ads, um, I use Chrome and I have an ad blocker installed. I'm sure you probably have an ad blocker installed as well. Uh, uh, and I have people... an ad blocker installed, and in my host file, I have blocked literally hundreds or thousands of tracking services. I and... am a giant pain to advertisers. And anyone listening to this podcast, you, you know, answer to yourself, do you have an ad blocker installed? And probably at least 60% of you are going to say yes, right? So, so that is frightening as well, is that let's say that you are willing to spend money on those ads. They're, they're not going to be seen, right? So this, this is something that's, that's I, I, really, I really want to strongly uh, reinforce this, that if, if most of your traffic or if a significant portion of your sales is coming from paid ads, you really need to think about what you're going to do over the next five years to augment that. Um, and then another th another behavior that I'm seeing um, is is training your customers to expect discounts. So I've seen so many merchants that rely solely on sales and discounts to get to get revenue. Um, they're they're effectively training their customers to wait until they get an email blast about a sale, about a discount with a coupon code, in order to get sales. Oh, and I turn this into an art form. I mean, I learn. <laughs> Like, knowing all the tricks, when I, I'll give you the example, I bought a vanity for our bathroom remodel. I bought a ton of stuff for the bathroom, saved some money. And it was every single product I found that I wanted, dropped it into Google Shopping, got the lowest price, lowest, like, then I'd take the top three if it was an expensive item, run through their site, add the item to cart, try and trigger an exit intent pop-up, run, if that didn't work, then I would guess at coupon codes, I'd use Honey, it's a Chrome extension that will do it for you. Yeah. Then if that failed, I'd run all the way through to almost the end of the checkout to make myself look like the most attractive customer possible. Um, I could even try ramping up the value of the cart to make it look more attractive and then wait for the email to show up. And in doing this, I cut like easily um, off of retail. Like I, I spent half of what you would normally spend. I mean, it was just unreal, um, the willingness that people have to to very quickly discount and in big amounts and in a couple cases i even just in a live chat like when that stuff failed we'd go in the live chat go hey are there any deals coupon codes i should know about and they would just tell me that was the easiest trick of all so yeah like people are really really reliant on um 
coupon codes. But in their defense, at no point did I go direct to manufacturer, and these were all resellers. So right. like those people um, are going to do a lot more competition on price naturally. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I, I liken this to, you know, back in the day, the daily deal sites, you know, with Groupon and whatnot, where, um, you know, it's it just it's this frivolous discounting where well, 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 we'll acquire a customer, and you know, we'll spend money to acquire a customer. In the, in this case, it's the form of a discount, and they'll turn into a lifelong customer, and we'll use their CLV to justify us having lost a few points on this on this order, and. That that only works if they come back and, and spend again, and if your competitor doesn't give them a, a larger discount. Um, so we're effectively training customers to to only purchase when there's a discount, and this is happening across all of e-commerce. And it is an art form, and people are really good at it. And I think there's a time and a place for a discount, um, but but I think this is happening. It's so easy to set up. Um, the technology is so effective that we're training consumers to expect discounts and only to purchase when there's a discount code available. Oh, yeah. And it's very, like in the Midwest, that's how you, you, you brag about things. It is on the crazy deal you got on a thing. Oh, I, I delight in it, and I maintain that this is culturally a Midwestern thing. It's a perversion of modesty. Um, feels great. But yeah, we have we have all been trained to do this. Like the idea of paying full price for something is just utterly horrifying um, at this point. And the because it, it it's so easy. There's so much information out there. Even on Amazon, I've got um, that same that Chrome extension, Honey. I do the same thing. I set a drop list, and then it like I could it'll chart the price for you, and I could see what the lowest price was over like 60 days, and then I'll set a, an alert. When it drops to below that price, then I'll get an email. It's like, okay, now I'll go and buy that thing. So Amazon is not immune to this either, um, even if you rarely see like coupon codes there. But yeah, all right. So wh- now that we have we've turned all been been trained into insane coupon clippers, what do we do instead? All the while, yeah. while our Facebook ad costs go up, of course. Yeah, and and so you know, if if we're trying to build a business, a brand, a long term sustainable business, a durable uh, and sustainable business. Exactly. We, 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 and, and, you know, we're not here for a quick flash in the pan, uh, you know, make a company and then sell it. Uh, if you're trying to do that, then absolutely use these techniques and, and use them for a year and then grow as much as you can and, uh, and have this kind of uh, false sense of growth um, and, and then sell. And that's fine. But if you're trying to create a durable brand that is sustainable, you need to really think about how you're creating emotional relationships with your customers. And, and, you know, I, th- I just I think about the brands that you love and the brands that you emotionally connect with, right? A lot of people might say Apple. Um, you know, a lot of that comes from, you know, the, the think different and, and being different and having these high quality products. Uh, Disney, and when you look at like, you know, the effort that they put into their experiences and the experiences that, that they give the, the people that are in their parks or, you know, watching, watching their, uh, their media. Um, Tom Shoes is an example of, of someone who allows you to associate charity and feeling good and giving back with my purchases. Um, and even Shopify, right? Shopify does, a, you know, a lot of people love the brand Shopify. Some people have Shopify tattoos. Um, <laughs> one guy, they, some one, people, one, yeah. <laughs> Josh Hyland. We, we know that Josh has Shopify license plates. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, you know, Shopify, they've got this great brand too that people love where it's like, you know, you can quit your job, you can be your own boss, you can be more free and do, do something that you love. Right. And the brands that you love, you have some sort of emotional connection with. Yes. And that, that is the key. These are, these are durable brands. And these brands that I mentioned are some of the most valuable brands that exist according to Forbes. So th these, like, this is the way that you will build a long term durable, sustainable business is to have emotional connections with your customers and to build a community of emotional relationships with these customers. That is the antidote to these transactional relationships. That is the antidote for, uh, to heavily relying on paid ads. That's the antidote to being a, a, a vending machine where your value prop is price and, and selection and convenience. Um, and that's the antidote to having most of your sales coming from discounts. I love this that concept of vending machine. Are you a vending machine? Is this purely transactional versus is this an emotional relationship? Is this a community? What are they getting out of it? Um, yeah, you're right. There is a, a big difference there. Uh, and as soon as you throw emotion into the mix, thing purchases no longer become rational decisions. Um, I think my, my great personal example of this is Shopify store Chubbies that sells um, these like cheeky retro shorts and shirts and they're short shorts and they are the entire thing is like it's tongue-in-cheek but it's celebrating um being being fun and their tagline is ready for the weekend i think that's great but like a pair of shorts from these guys is like 60 bucks 70 bucks so i've bought a summer wardrobe i spent hundreds of dollars at chubby shorts it's ridiculous why did i do this because of their messaging because of their their marketing i felt an emotional connection to it and what that allowed was I now associate uh, status. I go, man, wearing this brand is fun. This makes me fun. That increases my status. That's like, whether you think about it consciously or not, that's what's going on. Um, and they're very good about user-generated content, which creates the sense of community. Like, oh, I'm one of these fun guys now. Like, that's, yeah. what, that's what's going on subconsciously. Um, I love it. That's a, it's a, a good example. But all right, from here, where do we, how do I implement these things? If I go, all right, Steve is right. I should no longer, I don't want to be a vending machine. Now what? So one of the ways that you can build a community of emotional relationships with your customer, uh, customers is with a rewards program. This is one of the ways that you, you can do this. There are, there are a ton of ways out there, but one of the ways is using a rewards program where you're essentially going above and beyond, you know, what is expected of a store above and beyond those vending machine things and, and actually creating delightful experiences where I'm doing things that you're not necessarily expecting. And that's really where the emotion delight comes from is when you go above and beyond what I was expecting out of reality. And so creating those emotional responses in our customers with a rewards program. Um, and there's a few different types of reward programs that you, you can offer. You can do a loyalty points program, which is really good for incentivizing micro actions. Uh, so, you know, you can give customers points for buying things or for writing reviews or for sharing on social media or following you on social media. Uh, that's, that's one of the forms and they can spend those points on, you know, a free gift or, you know, a special exclusive offer or even a discount if, if you want. Um, another thing that you can do is a VIP program and that's where customers are placed into different levels or tiers based on more long-term behavior, things like how much they've spent over a year. 
Uh, and if they if they spend more, they're upgraded into this you know VIP gold status or whatever you want to call that, this elevated social status where they get these special perks that other people can't get. And they feel exclusive. They feel like they're, they're being treated uh, very well. And they have this emotional connection to this brand because they're getting something that the average Joe can't get and, and, and walk in and get. Uh, another thing that we do is referral programs as well. And these pair really well with those last two things that I mentioned. Because if we are creating these emotional connections with our customers and if they love us, whether that's with a loyalty program or a VIP program or both, then let's leverage that emotional connection and get them and give them the tools really to do what they're probably already doing, which is telling all of their friends and family about your brand and spreading the word out there. And a referral program is a great tool where you can reward them for for having done that. It's a little bit different than an affiliate program. It's a, a consumer referral program. And those work really, really well when they're paired with a, a VIP program or a loyalty program. Um, and we can do all three of those in combination or independent at Smile. So the, all right, let's start with VIP. What in practice, what does that look like? Give me an example. So yeah, a really good example, probably one of the, the best known VIP programs out there uh, is Sephora. And Sephora is a cosmetics retailer based in the, in the US. Um, massive retailer, they've got a ton of retail locations and they have what's called the VIB, uh, VIP program, very important beauty insider. And there are two tiers, there's VIB and then there's VIB Rouge. And VIB Rouge is based on how much you spend in a calendar year. Um, and if you spend over a certain amount, then you're upgraded to this VIB Rouge status. And if you are VIB Rouge, you get invited to exclusive closed door events with new products and, and new product lines and exclusive sales and, and exclusive offerings, basically. Uh, you have more of a concierge service. Um, and there's also this social status around it as well. So you hear all of these stories about uh, people who are shopping at Sephora and, and how, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to lose my VIB Rouge status. I have to go spend $500 on cosmetics. And they are happy to do it. They are so emotionally connected <laughs> to that brand and to that VIP program. And they want to maintain that status so bad that they're happy to go out and spend hundreds of dollars to maintain that status. Um, so that that is a really effective program for whenever social status plays really well into a consumer base and certain demographics uh, do appreciate social status more than others. Um, and it works really well when you don't necessarily want to have discounts or points associated with with a rewards program. If you want to have more prestige and more experiences and ex exclusivity, so you'll see this more with cosmetics or high end fashion retailers. And where, do you where, have the Starbucks app on your phone? I, I don't, but I often do just for investigation. Uh, yeah, I keep it not off my phone because it's too good. <laughs> and I'll yeah. just like spend 10 bucks a day at Starbucks versus uh, you know the alternative is just delete the app and don't. Um, but they've got just an incredible rewards program and built into it. Where it's like, oh, you're going to get stars for this and for these purchases. And if you buy like, and it's always like spend more money to get more stars, but they act like they're doing me the favor. Yeah. And then they'll, and then when you don't, I'll delete the app, and they'll send me an email that's like, You're, "These stars are going to expire soon unless you buy, you know, X X." And even then, I'm still like, "I better do it," and I stop myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, <laughs> it's that that loss aversion um, that we all fall victim to. Absolutely. I, I love this VIP idea. It's so it's a, it's a great way to have experiences uh, included and, and and status included with your brand, and that is again uh, an emotional feeling that I have. So I gotta, I'm 
it's a way to show appreciation. It's a way to acknowledge like the amount of money someone may have spent. I'm trying thinking it through from a technical standpoint. Like I could do this. Um, let's say I've got Clavio running on my store for my emails. I could automatically segment people based on spend into a list so these people are VIPs, and then that way, I could uh, and I could send a trigger email say, hey, you know, based on uh, your purchases this year, we have. Uh, selected you for our VIP program, and you're going to get exclusive offers and early access to things. And now when I do a new product launch, I sh- or even products come back in stock that were out of stock, the VIPs should get first access to it. And you use that to build an extra layer of urgency in there, where you email them, you say, hey, we've got this new product, It's gonna, uh, it just launched, or we've got this product, it's hot seller, just came back in stock. But you as a VIP are the first to know. We've not told the entire list, just our VIPs, just you. And, uh, and then we send a second email if they haven't bought, saying, hey, we're just, you know, wanted to give you the heads up. We're going to announce this to everybody uh, tomorrow in the morning. And so this, you know, may sell out. So here's your last chance to get it. So there now yeah. we have, without discounting, we have acknowledged them. We have added this, this additional status and we have given them a genuine perk as they get first crack, first access to it. Without, and it and costs you nothing. And it costs right, you it costs nothing. nothing. Right, it's, it's incredible, and we have an integration with Clavio as well as other uh, email service providers too. There where, are no others. <laughs> where someone will, uh, you know, they'll have a VIP program running on Smile, and we'll handle the display uh, of that to customers and making sure that people are educated about it on the site, uh, and then we'll pass over someone's VIP status to Clavio or any other ESP, and uh, they'll do those emails, right? And one of the perks is first access to uh, new product launches. Uh, and that that's as simple as doing a quick segmentation on their VIP st- uh, tier and then sending out an email and it costs you absolutely nothing and it means a lot to your customers. Okay, so I love the VIP program and the exclusivity and what it what that adds. Then you, you had mentioned two others. And that was loyalty yep. and referral. Uh, I'll start with, talk to me about loyalty. So lo- loyalty programs uh, have existed for a long time. Uh, you know, they're, they're a program where you essentially give customers points or some form of intermediary currency for doing things. And then they can spend those points on some sort of reward. And you can choose whatever rewards you want to offer your customers to, to be able to spend their points on. Um, the, the trick is to use things that will motivate them, right? So sometimes a discount is appropriate, especially for maybe, you know, first time shoppers. But if you start adding in exclusive things that are only available to your reward program members that can only be purchased using points, that's where you start getting a really cool loyalty points program. So let's say customers are earning points for doing things like making purchases or even creating an account, uh, writing a product review. Uh, you know, we have integrations with with Yotpo, Stamped, JudgeMe, and other uh, UGC platforms where we can receive those events and we can reward customers for placing those product reviews. Um, or submitting user-generated content, uh, you know, or, or sharing on social media or following you on social media. Uh, and they can collect all of these points for all of these micro-actions and spend them on one awesome reward if they choose. And so that's one of the benefits of a loyalty points program is that you can give someone, let's say, 10 points for writing a product review. That's and that may only... It may be dividends. Oh, and it may only be the equivalent of 10 cents. And you can't give someone a 10 cent coupon for writing a product <laughs> review. That doesn't really motivate them. But they will be motivated by these points, 10 points to write a product review, and maybe 200 for signing up for the program. And maybe 15 here for sharing on Twitter. And maybe uh, 30 here for following you on Facebook. 
and following you on Instagram and you know a few points here for entering in their birthday. So all of these things can be rewarded. All of these micro actions can be rewarded with one currency and then they can spend those points on whatever reward will best motivate them to have performed those actions. So it could be an exclusive gift. It could be a discount if they're more transactionally motivated uh, out of your customers. Uh, it could be uh, an, an exclusive experience where I can spend 500 points to have a Skype session with a CEO or with, you know, maybe if I'm in the cosmetics industry, uh, maybe a, a beauty advisor or something like that. So really the sky's the limit here. Think outside of your products, think outside of discounts and offer things that will motivate your customers uh, other than just what you have in your, cat your catalog. And loyalty point programs are great for those micro actions. I love the concept of, of micro actions and using these loyalty points as a as bonuses, as ways to reward actions that really did not previously benefit the customer. Like writing a review, what do you what do you get out of that? What's in it for them? Re nothing really. Um, the other than like they get to share their experience, I suppose. I don't know. Um, you know, I will often I will write reviews if I feel really strongly about a product or it's uh, a friend and I'm, you know, I, I want to share my experience to help them. But outside of that, it's like, why would I even bother? Um, it sounds like with the loyalty program, this gives you an easy way to reward people. And you're right. It normally would be like, write a review and get a, a coupon for like, what, I and mean, what are you really going to give them? Um, the rewards program is a, a good way around that. What, what the, what's, what's good about the points too, is that you can give people points for performing these actions. And then those points can expire if this person is inactive as well, right? So think about even just giving someone sign-up points. They create a customer account. We're going to give them 200 points for, for creating an account and joining our rewards program. And then we never see that customer again for 364 days. Uh, and then they get an email uh, a year later saying, hey, you've got these points. You've got these rewards. You can spend them on some sort of reward right now if you'd like come back and it's just it's a great value-added way to get back in touch with customers that are dormant um, it's, it's people that have built up these rewards and there is that loss aversion principle where you're more scared to lose five dollars than that you're more motivated uh, to to not lose five dollars than you are to gain five dollars it's just a, a psychological principle uh, and it works really really well with our customers that maybe they're becoming a little bit dormant maybe they started shopping at a competitor but I've got points at this store, so maybe I'll go back. So what are the, I like these, these, in, these unique strategies. What, how do I, and they're a great addendum to the rewards program. How do I make the core rewards program itself successful? I know, there's gotta be more to it than I just bolted onto my store. The, the, yeah, absolutely. It, it is not a, uh, you know, quickly go through onboarding, set it up. It can be, and you can get started that way, but at, at, Every single good reward program's core is really understanding what makes customers tick, what motivates them, and what can I offer them outside of my catalog that is unique and, and speaks to them as people, right? So in the case of Sephora, we knew that this demographic was extremely uh, motivated by having something exclusive, something they could tell their friends that they have that other people may not have. And so these closed door events these private events that only they had access to were a really, really good motivator for them to go out and spend a lot of money to keep that VIB Rouge status. And Sephora would not have been able to do that had they not really understood their customers at their core as people, not just as customers, not just as shoppers, but as people. And so if you know what motivates people, if you know how you can create an emotional, positive response uh, with your customers, um, you can create that emotional connection, and that is what will make a rewards program successful, whether it's a loyalty points program, 
a VIP program or a referral program. What are good ways to promote, advertise the rewards program? When is the time uh, in the relationship that it makes sense? Because most of the time I see it just as like this goofy tab that's jammed into the site. Or if they're feeling particularly saucy, you'll get like the post-purchase thing. Um, when, what, what are the, the, what's the best practice here? So we try, we try to get customers to sign up before making a purchase. We want them to create an account before making a purchase, but that doesn't always happen. So we understand that. So at least after the first purchase, um, we want to start educating them on the program. Uh, ideally, they would have already seen what we call a rewards explainer page, which is a simple CMS page that just like any other promotion, um, you know, you're explaining the program, you're explaining the benefits, you're starting off with the benefits and not not necessarily the things they need to do. You're, you're starting with benefits, you're explaining them, you're getting interest, um, and then you're, you have a, some sorts of calls, calls to action where they can sign up for the program, or if they're already a member, they can log in, or maybe they can participate in the program there. But if they've already made a purchase, you know, we should definitely be talking to these people uh, via email. You know, that's where a, a nice email integration with, with Smile is extremely, uh, extremely successful and useful. And so, you know, they've made a purchase. Let's make sure that we're communicating them with them. Let's have a couple emails that are, that's part of that onboarding email series that you're probably already running. Let's have a couple emails in there that are talking about the rewards program and the benefits of it um, and that are and driving people to create a customer account if they don't already have one. Um, if they do have a customer account, then, you know, this kind of, then we start falling into more of the kind of campaign-based reminders and nudges. So, you know, if you're sending out an, uh, an email newsletter once a month, let's include some rewards content in that too. It could be as simple as saying, hey, you have this many points, or, you know, thank you for being a gold tier customer, uh, or here's your referral link, share it with a friend, and including that stuff inside of your newsletters that you're sending out on a monthly or however frequent basis. Um, that's kind of the next step is to, to ensure engagement. But the, the basic model is we want to acquire them either at purchase or just before uh, or just after if we have to, uh, and then engage them throughout the, uh, the customer journey. What do you think the single biggest mistake is that people make when they set up these rewards programs? They, the single biggest mistake they, they make is, is being um, too frugal with the rewards and, and not, not inspired and creative with the rewards. Um, it is not as simple as you know, just giving points for a purchase and letting them spend those points on a discount. If you're doing that, um, that is a transactional rewards program. That is not accomplishing the goal of creating a community of emotionally connected customers. So, so the, that's the, the number one mistake I see is you know, people being maybe too frugal, they don't wanna to offer too many rewards, and I'm not feeling rewarded as a customer because the things you're offering I don't really care about, or you're not offering enough back to make me feel rewarded. Uh, number one mistake I see. Second largest mistake that I see is people not promoting their programs. This is just like any other marketing campaign. We need to make sure that people know about it. We need to have a CMS page uh, that explains the program. We need to have emails that explain the program. It, this needs to get in front of customers. It could be as simple as your customer support people need to know about the program and its benefits. And every time someone contacts support, we're asking them if they're a rewards program member, if, if, if they're not a rewards program member, to sign up. It's as simple as that. It's communication, getting it in front of customers, and marketing it. The, um, well, you would mentioned it, you got to make people feel rewarded. You can't be stingy with it. What makes sense as a, a rewards point level? What is, what is typical? What should I aim for? So most people will have a point worth a cent, uh, approximately, um, in, in whatever currency you're running. 
Um, and then, you know, th those points, when, when you're issuing them, you know approximately how much you're giving out. Um, the percentage that you usually give back uh, for a purchase is dependent on your margin. So if you have higher margin, maybe you can give uh, a few more rewards. If you have lower margin, then, you know, you, you may be down to like 2% back in rewards. So you'd be getting two points per, per dollar spent uh, in the cart if you have lower margin. It may go down as low as one point. Um, we don't want to go lower than 1%. I've seen some reward programs that, you know, they're worth merchants that have, uh, you know, maybe 60% margin, 70% margin, and they're happy giving their customers 10% back in reward oh. points. Yeah, I know. Because they're replacing discounts, right? Uh, you're, you're replacing a discount that, you know, if you make your first purchase and you don't purchase within four months, well, now I have to email you a discount for 25% off your next order or something like that. So they see it as saving margin. Uh, because they're replacing a lot of discounts that they otherwise would have had to offer. This is pretty clever stuff. We're really we're shifting how I have viewed these um, these rewards programs. Okay, the other thing you talked about was uh, referral programs, which is the consumer version of an affiliate program. Those seem like they're even uh, that's even a a bigger struggle to get working um, than a rewards program. What goes into that? What makes those work? So first, first off, a referral program will never work if you don't have customers who love your brand. If you don't have, uh, you know, at least if you're not at least meeting table stakes for your customers' experiences and their expectations, you will not have a successful rewards program. Because if I don't like your products, if I don't like your brand, if I'm not, if I'm not, ha I'm not happy. I'm not going to be motivated to take action to refer my friends. Uh, referrals from friends that that you know are the from people that you know are the most trusted form of advertising. And I'm not saying that, that is in every single Nielsen study on advertising uh, effectiveness. It is always ranked the number one most effective form of advertising is referrals from people that I know. Uh, it's about 80% of people who vote, vote for that as being the number one. So you're really putting yourself on the line. Um, and, and especially in an age where uh, you're being bombarded by, you know, in this case, ads and, and products in front of your in, in front of your face. Um, you really need to lean on your friends and on on people that you know to give you some social proof around what brands to trust and which ones actually work. And so, referral programs are really great if you have a great product. If you're if you're meeting your customers' expectations or exceeding your customers' expectations, then this is simply a tool that will, will allow them to do what they're probably already doing. Um, but maybe not to the same level. So this is a tool where I can send a referral link to you, and you know, you as a new customer, maybe you get 10% off your first order, and I get you know uh, some reward points in exchange for having referred you, or I get a free gift, or I get whatever will motivate me as a customer uh, to refer you in, into this new business. So uh, a word that has come up repeatedly here is community. How does this play into a community? How does this help me build a community? Well, this helps you grow your community, right? So a referral program relies on you already having a small community to start, and this helps you grow it. Um, a community is people, and people need to interact together, and this is one of the ways that they can interact. Um, you know, I can, I can say, hey, Kurt, I know you love cars. Check out this, this awesome site. They've got some really cool you know, automotive products. Um, and now you and I are both in this community. So this is one of the ways in which we can grow and expand our community, and we can often expand our community for less than we would probably pay to acquire them on on a paid channel um, on, on you know whether those are Facebook ads or Google ads um, your CPA on a referral program on average is lower 
than it is on on those paid channels. So not only is it great, not only do you have a customer that is actually on average worth more from a CLV perspective because they mimic the attributes of the person referring them on average, um, that you get them for less than you would on any sort of conventional paid channel as well. Um, and this that's that, that's that's about growing the community. That's about having you know fervently passionate and and loyal customers that are telling telling everyone about your brand basically. I'm I'm sold. I want to sign up for it. I want to start, especially these um, the idea this VIP program. I think that's brilliant. I want to get that going. Um, and I want uh, Smile integrates with a bunch of um, uh, CRM systems, which is cool. So I can really automate this stuff. Just like set it get it running, um, have it working, getting the right message to the right person at the right time through marketing automation. So this, I'm now viewing this as part of my marketing automation strategy, another touch point, a way to increase customers and get away from discounting. I don't want to be, you know, I want, we want to be more premium brands and not rely on discounting and get away from this, this vending machine concept, which I think is a, a brilliant, if not derogatory term for, um, we'll say, stores that are unoptimized, that are just competing on price and have not hit that next level of brand building and that emotional connection. So as a next step, I assume, I'll plug it for you, the next step is start using smile.io. You know, you could certainly, you could do worse. And you have a special offer for us. What is it? Well, you can't get any better than free. So we have we have a free plan that's available um, for for forever. So you can run a rewards program for free forever, um, up to a certain number of reward program members. Um, and if you go to smile.io, you can sign up for that uh, right away. Or if you're on the Shopify app store, you can find us there as well. Brilliant. And Steve, where can people go to learn more about you? So if you go to smile.io, uh, we've got a great blog and some great uh, research and case studies uh, and industry guides as well. So if you are in uh, cosmetics or if you are in apparel or if you do subscriptions or if you sell food, you can learn about how to create a rewards program for that industry uh, on, on our website, smile.io. And that's in our resource center. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, all the social channels. Um, and if you ever want to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Steve Deckert. Very good. I will link to those in the show notes. And Steve, all this rewards talk, I got to go get to work on my gold status at Starbucks and in order. I don't know. I feel feeling like it's Thursday. I feel like a Frappuccino, maybe a chai tea latte. I think that's what I'm going to go grab. Steve, thank you. I appreciate it. This has been excellent. Thanks, Kurt. It's been a great. Before we go, I wanted to tell you about the one Shopify theme I've used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable feature pack theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates for all of your content. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will refund it for you. So to check it out now, go to ethercycle.com slash turbo and use code podcast20 at checkout. It's ethercycle.com slash turbo. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. 
If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.